Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. All my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs. My strength fails me. Psalm 38, 9 through 10. Hey guys, I really, really, really don't want to talk about this one because I'm so afraid I have so much of this in my life through quarantine. I think that when I get sad, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So I love me some coping. I love me some comfort. But what I loved in preparing for this episode was realizing that coping isn't all bad. And it's something that can be really, really helpful to us when we are going through difficulty. It's just what is healthy coping and what is unhealthy coping, right? We cannot be people that choose unhealthy coping. And I think a lot of us, if we're really candid, have chosen some unhealthy coping through this crazy time where we all are feeling undone. If you're just joining me for this episode, we're in the midst of a season called Undone. And it's all the different ways that we are struggling and wrestling during the season of COVID and during this pandemic and this crazy year called 2020. So we're talking about all the things. And coping is certainly one of those issues that I don't love to talk about because, again, don't want to feel convicted on this. So let me kind of define what coping means. So coping strategies are actions we take consciously or unconsciously to deal with stress, problems, or uncomfortable emotions. And so, of course, during a season where a lot of uncomfortable emotions and stresses are hitting all of us, of course, we're going to move to coping. And so what we want to talk about is what are healthy coping strategies and what are unhealthy coping strategies. So I think this is a little bit obvious, but it helped me to just know, you know what, coping is not all bad. We all are going to do that. We're all going to look for ways out of uncomfortable situations, and we're going to look for ways to control our circumstances, right? It's, it's human nature. What a Christian does, though, is they surrender their control over it, right? And it's not that they won't put healthy practices and disciplines in their lives, but they also are realizing that those will only go so far. So the Christian still chooses the healthy rhythms that will bring healing in their life, right? When I go travel and speak and specifically like tour, when I get home from being on a bus for 10 days where we ordered pizza late at night and we didn't eat great and we didn't sleep great, I immediately go to the gym and I work out and I immediately start eating healthy and I set my schedule so that I'm sleeping well and I spend time with good friends. I set back healthy patterns in my life. Now, those are coping mechanisms, right? Because I've been unhealthy, I don't feel good, I am not myself, I've been under stress because of travel and a lot of output and pouring into other people. I get home and I immediately fill up with good things, right? I eat more fruits and vegetables. I always want it, when I get home, I want chicken noodle soup and I want lots of fruit, I want smoothies because it's like I'm just, I need to cope with the stress my body's just been through and my mind's just been through. And the way I do that is choosing good things, right? So I think we've got to realize that our bodies were built to deal with stress. And the way that we deal with it 
is either going to be positive or negative. So we're not talking about not coping through this time, but it's what does it look like to cope well, to struggle well is is the bottom line that we're talking about through this crazy season. So in the midst of this quarantine, I know a lot of you got bread makers and like started making bread. I think that's beautiful and I really love bread and believe in bread. The other thing I saw was a lot of people walking and taking walks at night. In fact, we would walk every single night and we would see so many people out doing the same thing because there was just nothing else to do. And I think some of these are just part of the human way of dealing with stress, right? We've got to put things to help us deal. We've got to get out. You know, you all have all seen the commercial with the dog that's, you know, been overwalked during quarantine. Like every single person is like, come on, you know, let's go for a walk. And all of a sudden the dog's like hiding under the table because everyone has overwalked the dog. And so that's where we have been is whether we're choosing to make bread or we're choosing to walk or we're choosing, you know, we were talking to a liquor store owner and we were like, well, how's business? Are y'all doing okay? And they were one of the essential businesses in Texas open. And and they were like, oh, business has never been better. And I say that kind of laughing, but the reality is in this season, there have been ways that all of us have been coping that are not healthy. And we need to be honest about those. And we need to talk about those. And we need to see what are some ways that we have put our hope in something on earth that is going to fail us and that could even be destructive. So let me name some unhealthy coping strategies. Drug or alcohol use, overeating, procrastination, sleeping too much or too little, social withdrawal, self-harm, aggression. These are some of the unhealthy coping mechanisms that all of us can get prone to, right? That we can get prone to comfort and we can get prone to bitterness like we've talked about. We can get prone to, you know, sleeping too much because what else is there to do or eating too much because what else is there to do? And so we have you know, this season where everyone's a little bit over their screen time limits and have spent way too much time doing that. My kids, the number of minutes that we used to limit screen time to before quarantine, I would give anything to get back to that. I mean, we are so far past that in quarantine because there just wasn't a lot to do. So the first thing I want you to do is just to think about yours. What are some of the ways you've been coping through this? What are some of the things you've depended on through this season and to start to like put them in those categories because some of the healthy coping strategies maybe that to bring to mind and to notice that you have been doing is is healthy eating and exercise, talking about what's bothering you, seeking professional help or counseling. Every counselor I know that I've talked to has never been busier and that's awesome that people are actually dealing with what they've realized through quarantine maybe has come to the surface. To depend on friends and to bring them into the support system of your life, to prayer journal, to have gratitude journals to process what you're grateful for in life. These are some of the positive coping strategies that actually are God-given, right? Every one of those is God-given, community and our health and, you know, the ability to be grateful and to choose to retrain our minds. I think that's one reason get out of your head has just taken off during quarantine is we want to believe we have the power to choose better, to choose better in our minds, to choose better in our bodies, to choose better in our decisions, but we've got to choose better. I just watched a movie. If you haven't seen it yet, the documentary is called The Social Dilemma. I absolutely believe every single human on earth needs to watch this. And the reason why is if you have a phone, a smartphone, which most people do all over the world, then it is causing addiction in your life. Like it is drawing you in and it is you against 
artificial intelligence that is smarter than you. And that intelligence is trying to keep your attention. It's the whole goal of social media so that they can sell ads, so that they can sell whatever other product to you while they have your attention. Your attention is the commodity. So we've got to recognize that there's an unhealthy relationship with screens and technology in our lives. And it's one of the ways we cope. In the documentary, it kind of told the story of a family and, and different members of the family struggling with technology in different ways. And and the older son gave up his phone for a week just to prove that he could. And he, you know, he made it a few days. But in those days, he just wandered around. He didn't even know what to do. He was so bored. We don't even know how to be bored. We don't even know how to be still without coping, but with distraction all the time. We don't have to be alone with our thoughts. We don't have to deal with what's really bothering us, with with what's really hurting us, because we can just distract ourselves and numb ourselves. And we're missing the best parts of life. The people that made the documentary, they all are the people that created the technology. Every single one of them played a role in creating Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, Google. And all of them were basically sitting there saying, we regret it. And it has become worse than we can imagine. Even though they know and they helped create it and they know how addictive it is, they still struggle with it. They still feel addiction themselves and they will not let their kids have it because they know how dangerous it is. And I think we've got to treat our unhealthy coping mechanisms in the same way that we hate them, that they are taking our, our joy and our life and they're, they're not giving us a full, vibrant life that we want. None of the unhealthy coping strategies are going to end well, right? They're, they're going to steal our health. They're going to steal our relationships. They're going to steal our work, our enjoyment of people because we're distracted. So we've got to fight this. This is serious. Like this is, this is a great ploy of the enemy to cause us to numb out, to check out, to not deal with our stuff, to not be healthy individuals that know how to cope in a healthy way. We got to grow up. You know, I mean, that that's the bottom line is we've got to be grownups and we've got to choose better. And it is possible to do so. So this is a quote actually that is from D.A. Carson and it's it, I used it in Guya and it was this, people do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness and prayer and obedience to scripture, faith and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise and we call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and we call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and we call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism and we slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves that we have been liberated. And guys, this is the sickness of our generation. We think that in our checking out and our numbing out, we're relaxing, but the truth is we are falling from the gifts of God that are meant to keep us in relationship and delightful relationship with him. We are drifting from deep, meaningful relationships with other people in our coping. We are drifting toward our selfish desires instead of sacrificially living for other people and the way that Christ has called us to live, to die to self and to to live for others. And it's the greatest way to live. It's the most joyful way to live. Psalm 38, 9 through 10 says, O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs. My strength fails me. What the author of this psalm knew, what David knew, is that there was a place to take our disappointment. There is a place to take your anger. There is a place to take your bitterness and frustration. There is a place to take your loneliness and boredom. And it is to Jesus. It is to our God. And to take it to him 
and to say, okay, help me process this. Help me be with you. Help me be still and not need to look at my phone. Help me to not choose alcohol at night, even if you're not drinking too much, to choose it every single night. That's not okay, guys. That's not okay. I'm going to call it out. It is not okay to do that. You've got to choose better. We've got to choose better for our kids. We've got to choose better for ourselves. And what I know is that it's okay. We have gone through something collectively for months, but guys, we're still going through it and it might last a lot longer. And we don't want patterns to fall into our lives that are unhealthy for months and possibly years. That is where it gets scary. Some of us started out quarantine. We're like, oh, we can eat bad because you know, it's just a little while, a few weeks home, like let's, there's nothing else to do. Well, that can't go on for years, right? We've got to shift and we've got to turn it. And whether that's alcohol or internet usage or how much screen time you have, how we've got to be almost have our New Year's resolutions right now, right? This fall, like we've just got to, to grab it and to deal with it and to fight back because this is a great ploy of the enemy to take us down. So let's fight better. It's not wrong to cope. Let's just choose God's ways of doing it instead of our own selfish desires. So here's a few questions I'm going to answer. How can I get to the root of why I want to numb out so much? And again, I've talked about this in previous episodes. We've got to have community. We've got to have people we can process with, that we can process what it is that's bothering us, why we're checked out. We've got to process this with our people. But I would also say journal. One of the things in Get Out of Your Head that is so helpful that I still do is that mind map of what's on your mind. What are you thinking about? Because if you start to see a theme in those thoughts that you're having every single day, then you can kind of start to deal with that and you can start to give it a name and you can start to fight it, right? So if there's hurt or discontentment or disappointment or bitterness or whatever it is, then you can start to see it if you journal and write out all your thoughts because you go, okay, there, I see this theme and I wanna fight it. And so I really encourage you, if you don't have the Anxious Thoughts Guide, you can go to my website, jennyallen.com, J-E-N-N-I-E, allen.com. And it's at the top in the black bar. It shows that there's lots of different guides, but get the Anxious Thoughts Guide. And it has that mind map there and you can fill it out there. It's also in Get Out of Your Head, the book. I would just say, (laughs) process really well what it is that is keeping you kind of locked up. And don't leave it there because it's not going to go in a positive direction, right? If we leave it undone, it is not going to go in a positive direction. So deal with it. So what is the cost of this distraction? That's another question. I would say this. The cost of this is that we are missing our lives, right? We're missing the way God built us to live, the way that almost every generation before us has lived. And so we're not experiencing deep connection to God and we're not experiencing deep connection to others. And so life is just going by really fast and it's somewhat meaningless, right? And there's not this relational capital being grown over years and decades because we're we're checked out and we're investing our time that normally would have been spent with family or with friends in devices and a false sense of connection. I mean, social media used the word social on purpose. It was supposed to bring people together. It was supposed to connect them, but it doesn't do that. It's a false sense of connection. It's not actually how people are doing and what they're actually going through. It's it's a show almost. And it's the worst kind of connection because it actually misleads you in, into thinking that people are all good and okay when they're not. So 
what I hope is that this would bother us so badly that we would fight back. We would fight back against the addictions in our lives. We would fight back against the places that we've gotten numb and apathetic and checked out. And we would see holiness grow in us. We would see prayer and faithfulness grow in us. We would see knowledge of the Bible and giving that away to others grow in us, right? That's what what I pray. That's what I want to happen. And I believe can happen, especially during this time. We have more margin. Let's use it for good. We have built you something that I hope will be really helpful. It's called the Anxious Thoughts Guide. And the reason I built it is because I know sometimes you just need an interrupter, something to come in and interrupt the negative thoughts that you're having. And so it's a super simple series of questions and truths and also just a few graphs and things to work through. So you can download it for free. Go to JennyAllen.com, J-E-N-N-I-E-A-L-L-E-N.com.